0: Welcome to McKnight's Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information from industry leaders. This is Diane Estabrook. I'm pleased to have my guest today, Scott Vertrice, CEO of Heal, the tech-enabled in-home primary care provider. Scott, thanks so very much for joining me. My pleasure, Diane. As we get started here, if our audience doesn't already know, could you please just explain to us what exactly it is that Heal does?
1: Yeah, that'd be my pleasure. So at Heal, we're basically a, a clinical provider of primary care services that are delivered in the home. And what uh, makes our model unique uh, beyond the home delivery is that we're operating in a value-based environment, which I'm sure, as you know, is a big transition in healthcare toward uh, serving the patient in a way that um, the incentives are aligned to make sure that we're focused on their health outcomes instead of just a transactional process of health care.
0: Gotcha. And you just announced that um, since switching to value-based care, it sounds like it was last fall, you've seen substantial growth in patients choosing HEAL. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the the transition uh, to value-based care uh, has been really fundamental to uh, what we want to to be as HEAL matures. And essentially, uh, we want to be able to take care of uh, seniors in a value-based care environment, through a combination of house calls, uh, remote patient monitoring and telemedicine. So that really gives us the ability to sort of have this 360 degree view of the patient in a very different format than might be um, available to them in a clinic. So what happens is, you know, seniors really understand, which is interesting. You know, I sort of thought that the theory would be that seniors would be attracted to our model of care because it sounds convenient. Right? They can do all kinds of things while they're waiting for their uh, clinical provider to show up at the house. Uh, but it turns out that, you know, the sophistication of seniors can't be um, under expected. So they actually understand that they will get better care by having that care delivered in the home. And the reason for that is pretty intuitive. If you think about the difference between going to a clinic and having a, a visit that, you know, may be 15, 20, 25 minutes uh, in duration, versus our house call model where we're in the living room at the bedside looking at their prescriptions looking at the environment in which they live looking um, and having observations around what type of food they're eating or what type of fall risk they might be subjected to uh, what type of um, you know family and caregivers they're surrounded by it gives us a lot more knowledge around the patient uh, holistically and we also spend about twice as much time with the patient as you would get in a clinic. So you can see why this is an attractive model uh, to seniors. And just getting the word out really led to a, a really explosive you know, 60% growth rate um, in all patients over the last five months or so.
0: And you've been able to attract providers as well. Um, You said since January you've tripled the number of primary care providers. I think you're probably talking about doctors and maybe nurse practitioners that are coming in. Obviously, this has something to do with demand. But does it also have to do with these providers looking for a different way to provide care to their patients?
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think that our unique care model, it isn't for everybody, but it does have a unique attraction and able to spend more time with the patient, again, in an environment that allows the best form of care. And really, again, it's about getting the word out. You know, obviously there's a a pretty um, well-known labor shortage uh, in the clinical market. And I think our ability to attract some of the most qualified providers really says a lot about our care
0: model. We're hearing a lot, particularly since the pandemic, about social determinants of health. Um, And the two that sort of come to mind are one, they sort of play into each other, is social isolation and loneliness. So Mm -hmm. how does your model address these social determinants of health?
1: It's a really key component. So thank you for bringing it up, Diane. If you think about the ability to see all of, and observe all those social determinants, you know, we just mentioned a few, mm-hmm. you know, everything from, you know, the toxicity of the environment they're in, you know, the living conditions, the social isolation, as you mentioned, with depression and loneliness being a big factor, uh, food insecurity and food quality, all those types of things are much more easily observable in the field, in the home. And one of the things that we're doing at HEAL is building our own EHR, and part of the reason for that is there really isn't a currently a good tool for capturing those observations. And then beyond just the observation, developing the methodology to address each of those uh, observable conditions. And so some of them are, you know, addressed through our own care. Some are addressed through referrals to other agencies and other um, other partner opportunities. Um, but I think that, you know, it really gives us a much better ability to address what a lot of people talk about uh, with social determinants of health.
0: And that captures issues upstream, correct? It prevents some issues farther upstream from developing farther downstream?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that is the whole basis of the care model for value-based care. I mean, as you know, um, you know, it might be a little bit counterintuitive to say that, uh, you know, under value-based care, rather than getting paid for doing transactional work, you're sort of being paid for holistically taking care of the patient. And obviously the more that you can save, the better you do in that model. And the way you save isn't to provide less care, it's actually the opposite. It's to get in front of those conditions, spend more on preventative care and avoid the hospital admissions and emergency room visits and the chronic care development um, that you know are so prevalent in the industry.
0: And technology is playing a a bigger role in healthcare and and you call yourself a tech-enabled company. Talk about the role that technology plays in HEAL.
1: Sure, it it is right in our byline essentially and it's because we couldn't do what we do well uh, without really great technology. And so if you think about sort of, I'll call it four fundamental pillars of technology for us, it starts with our telemedicine platform, which was already developed uh, pre pandemic and was obviously accelerated by the pandemic as is you know, often written about um, And then beyond that, our remote patient monitoring is also internally developed and very robust from the standpoint of There's not too many RPM solutions that are deployed within a provider environment the way ours is integrated so Again, our own clinicians are seeing the the readings that come out of that remote patient monitoring on a continuous basis, which gives us much better visibility into the patient than is typical. And then beyond that, um, our EHR development is well underway. We'll have the most cutting edge um, platform for our clinicians to use that combines typically what you would find in EHR overlaid with a value-based care environment which includes capturing social determinants of health and then on top of that uh, provides the ability to do that in a very unique clinic environment which is in the home and in on the you know in the car and in the field so we're developing that um, so that we can provide better care but also so that we can make um, the the role of our providers uh, have as least friction as possible and, and really get good job desk satisfaction from them so that we can attract and retain the best. So that's our sort of third pillar. And the fourth one would be, as you can imagine, a care model like this is not simple to deploy. And we're taking very highly qual- qualified uh, medical doctors, nurse practitioners, you know, LVNs, MAs, uh, and various other disciplines and deploying them in the field. So the logistics around that are quite complicated. Um, And in order to do that well, technology plays a very deep role. So uh, it's fundamental uh, in technology for pretty much everything we do.
0: So it's high touch and high tech.
1: Exactly, yeah, good point.
0: So we've talked about technology and and what you're all about. Um, So let's kind of talk a little bit about how we're seeing healthcare transform. And it, it seems to me that we're seeing sort of a vertical integration of healthcare. We're seeing companies like CVS, which was in retail pharmacy, now owns Aetna, so they're getting into health insurance. They own Minute Clinics. They're even talking about potentially getting into home care. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of the thing that we saw many years ago in manufacturing, particularly like in the in the auto industry, where they owned not only were they making the cars, but they were making the parts and they were also financing. Um, is is this good for the industry and is it good for the the healthcare consumer?
1: You know, I think anything that brings together various disciplines to make sure that the patient doesn't have a disengaged process is a good thing. So the more you can bring these activities together, I think the better for the patient experience. And so one of the ways that specifically applies to us is we have a number of partnerships and what I'll call the home ecosystem that are either already deployed or in development with things like home care, uh, home health care companies with urgent care delivery in the home um, and various other, you know, even Meals on Wheels and those types of partnerships bring sort of everything together into one access point for the consumer. And so I, I see personally as, as a good trend.
0: And you, you mentioned specifically home care and home health care, which is our audience. Um, talk a little bit about the role that those providers play in what you do
1: so it's really if you think about it as an integrated approach you think about the patient um, especially you know our senior patients we play the primary care role uh, which is sort of the fundamental you know center of the puzzle piece but there are a lot of other needs that go beyond primary care so in addition to you know typical specialty referrals and things like that there's often needs for home health uh, to have that sort of care for people that are you know homebound in the home after a hospitalization and it's a it's a very good uh, you know, relationship between ourselves and the home health company because the home health company after uh, a discharge from the hospital needs a primary care relationship uh, in order to um, you know, perform the procedures that they need to do and have prescriptions and those type of things. So we sort of help each other that way. And we've got deployments that allow us to get to that patient in the time frame necessary after a hospital admission. So, you know, we've got clinicians in the field, we've got our telemedicine platform, and we've also got something innovative, uh, which is our Mavatar solution, where we actually send a qualified, uh, uh, you know, MA or you know, possibly an LVN to a home with a tech-enabled or telemedicine-enabled iPad, where we have hands-on for uh, doing vitals and, you know, certain diagnostic care, and then we've got the actual provider clinician on a remote, um, telemedicine, uh, opportunity. So those sort of innovative care models let us get to the patient quickly, which really helps the home health agency, um, in their, in their, you know, client service. And then, you know, beyond that, we look at other relationships like urgent care. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, you know, we're not really set up to do episodic care anymore. That was sort of part of the original platform at heal. We've transitioned now to full primary care. Uh, but we need, our patients still sometimes need that service. They've got you know a specific injury that needs to be addressed. So we've developed great relationships uh, around referrals to that circumstance. And then again, cross referrals to patients in urgent situations that they find where they need an actual primary care because they're not engaged with one currently.
0: Yeah, so these partnerships are key across the board. Yeah, we see it that way. One of the things that we hear about over and over again, and we touched about the, uh, upon this a little bit earlier when we talked about uh, providers maybe looking for other opportunities to provide care, but we hear over and over again about the workforce challenges out there. How much of a headwind or how much of an obstacle is that for this industry right now, in general, the healthcare industry?
1: Well, I think it's a very big issue. I think you know we're all competing for too small of a labor pool. Um, you know, we're not graduating enough people into the industry and, you know, obviously there's been a, a fairly large departure. And so it is definitely a headwind. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that it has not to date restricted the growth of our care model, but it's something that we work very, very hard on. Right. So we have lots of different methodologies to educate, you know, potential uh, providers about the opportunity at heal. And, uh, you know, we we'll, you know, hopefully we'll continue to have the same success in attracting the right kind of providers.
0: From a policy perspective, what needs to be done to drive care more into the home? You know, during the pandemic, we certainly saw the Hospital Without Walls program. Um, we have saw, saw the expansion of telehealth. Um, is your sense that, that those policies will continue in a post-pandemic world and will they potentially be expanded or would they potentially go away?
1: so some of the things that were specific to the pandemic like around allowing like reimbursement for development telemedicine visits and things like that you know that was beneficial for sort of creating awareness around the use of technology um you know from our perspective uh it was the pandemic was kind of a two-edged uh sword right so we did more telemedicine uh because of you know created awareness and created acceptability of that as a care model Um, But it also, so to some degree during that, you know, early days restricted our ability to go to the home. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's been now fully relaxed. We're back to the sort of the mix that we like, which is predominantly care in the home. Um, And so I think we're certainly from our care model standpoint, we're less dependent on policy. There's some broader policy that is certainly creating some let's call tailwinds. Um, CMS and some of the recent developments there that's been in the news recently, we are a participant in their, uh, their DCE program, which is gonna take on a little bit of a different flavor, but mostly the same. Um, and that policy has been very helpful for us because it allows us to access a lo- much larger um, portion of the population. Um, but I, th- I think generally um, we're not too dependent upon the current policy decisions.
0: What about the Choose Home Care Act, which would allow people to get a little bit more expanded home health um, following a hospital stay? Um, is that something that could ben- benefit a company like Heal?
1: Yeah, I think from the standpoint of, you know, again, going back to the partnership opportunities, you know, anything that expands that care is probably going to be a net positive for us just because if it helps our our referral partners in that category. It should you know give us a tangential benefit as well.
0: And this is, again, as you mentioned earlier, this is something when we're talking about seniors that they've wholeheartedly kind of embraced getting care at home. And they have they've embraced remote patient monitoring and telehealth. Did that that surprise you? You
1: you know, actually, like I like I mentioned a little bit before, I'm really um, excited about how seniors are embracing uh, our offering our model and how quickly they understand the core benefit, which is better care in the home. And what's also very interesting is uh, people that have experienced our remote patient monitoring really see it as a huge benefit. Like, you know, we've done lots of obviously uh, consumer patient surveys and, you know, they feel a sense of comfort, the fact that they are being monitored and it has its own sort of uh, benefit to their psyche as well as benefit to their health.
0: Scott Vertries, CEO of HEAL, thank you so much for joining me.
1: My pleasure, Diane, thank you so much for today.
0: Thanks for listening to McKnight's Newsmakers podcast. We hope you'll join us again.